Hello and welcome back to Neely's Bend Baptist Church's Sermon Archive. I'm Austin Jones, the pastor here at Neely's Bend. In this sermon from this past Sunday, we explore Mark chapter 15 and we see the crucifixion of Jesus. And through this crucifixion, we see how Jesus paid the price that we owed for our sin. And through this, Jesus would die on the cross sacrificially. And he also, as he died on the cross, he took upon himself the sins of all who believe in him. If you have any questions about the gospel or about Neely's Bend Baptist Church, please email us at mbbc at neelysbendbaptist.org. Thanks, and we hope you have a great week. If you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, if you want to, turn to Mark chapter 15, verses 21 through 39. The last couple of weeks, we have celebrated the birth of Jesus and Christmas, and we have Christmassy sermons. And today we're going to continue with not as much of a Christmassy sermon, but it's definitely part of the Christmas story. We're going to look at the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. And it's important for us to even then remember that this is part of the Christmas story. Because without the birth of Jesus, we would not have the crucifixion of Jesus. So it's always important for us to remember that his birth leads to his death. So with that, before we jump into Mark chapter 15, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to come to you this morning and just pray and just lift up your name before us, Lord. Lord, we praise you so much for sending your son Jesus as a little baby to one day die on the cross for our sins, Lord, for our mistakes, for our failures, so we can have life in him. Lord God, help us to remember that daily. Lord, we just thank you so much for the songs that we've sung this morning, of how you are so good to us, Lord. How in Christ alone we have salvation, Lord. And how your faithfulness is so good. Lord, help us to remember all of those things in this new year coming up, Lord. Help us to remember that you are good and that you love us, that you care for us. Lord, as I begin to proclaim your word and preach your word this morning, help me to preach with simplicity, with clarity and passion, Lord. Help me to preach only your word and your truth alone. Lord, I just pray that if there's one here today that has never made the decision to follow you, to trust in you, to believe in you, that today is the day that they believe in you. Today is the day that their life changes because they've decided to follow you. Lord, I just pray this morning in your name. Amen. <clears throat> imagine for a moment with me. Just imagine. Just, just picture. Think through this. I once heard a story like this. Imagine you are driving through a city. You're just driving through a city. Think you're driving down like Korean Vets Boulevard in downtown Nashville. And there are signs that they have been put up. These new bright orange signs have been put up indicating a speed change. The speed limit that had been brought down to 15 miles an hour. However, as you're driving through this area, you begin to realize, or, or you didn't realize, that the speed had changed from 30 miles an hour to 15 miles an hour. However, you soon discover 
that the speed had changed because there's some bright, flashing, shiny blue lights behind you saying, woo, 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 pull over. Because you are speeding at this point. So you pull over and the cop comes up to your window and in typical cop fashion, what does he say? Do you know how fast you were going? How many of you all have heard that phrase before? Well, I have, you know. Do you know how fast you were going? But, but it's not just the typical, do you know how fast you were going? It's more so a very kind of a different tone. Some more serious and frantic tone. A little bit of anger in it. Do you know how fast you were going? Like you didn't realize something. The reason being is because that week at the conference center, there is an event being held for the blind. And that's why the speed limit had been changed. And surrounding the road you were traveling on were hundreds of blind people. You respond and say, Sir, I was traveling 30 miles an hour, but I didn't realize the speed had changed. The cop responds, lets you know that there is an event happening for the blind, and that's why the speed had changed. And at this point, you begin to realize the seriousness of your mistake, the seriousness of what could have happened. And the cop, because of the seriousness of the incident, he has to write you a ticket. There's no getting out of this, right? There's no getting out of this. The cop passes along the ticket to you, tells you the court date, and sends you on your way. A few days later, you get a letter in the mail, and I'm not sure if this is exactly how it goes, because I've never experienced this before, so praise the Lord for that. But a few days later, you get a letter in the mail from Metro PD, and inside this letter, it tells you the fine you're having to pay for your ticket how much you're going to have to pay for your, for your mistake. And the ticket price is far higher than you ever expected it to be. $50,000. Whew, it's a big mistake, ain't it? $50,000 for this ticket that you received for driving through a speed zone that had been slowed down due to a blind event happening or excuse me, an event for the blind happening. At this point, panic begins to set in. You begin thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for this? I don't know what I'm going to do. You begin to fear the worst. I'm going to go to jail because I don't have the money to pay for this. Fine. This ticket. You look at the letter once again, and you see the reminder for the court date that's coming up. And deep inside of you, you begin to have as this little bit of sliver of hope that the judge will just offer forgiveness to you. He will just realize that you just made a, a, a mistake and just give you forgiveness. And it would all just be dismissed. So the court date comes and you drive to the court and you show up and after sitting there all day long, you finally get to talk to the judge. You explain to the judge that it was an accident, that you made a mistake, and that you didn't realize that the speed had changed because of this event. And you realize that it was a grave mistake, a mistake that could have killed someone. And the judge looks at you, and he says, I have here in my hand a $50,000 check that someone brought in today and said they wanted to pay the price for someone's mistake. Pay the ransom 
the fine, the ticket for the mistake of someone else. The judge continues and says, and all you must do is receive this $50,000 check as a payment for your mistake and I will forgive you. I will even take this ticket completely off your record so it is clean. And you, being overwhelmed by the graciousness of this person who paid your ransom, with tears in your eyes, you respond and you say, Your Honor, I receive this gift, and I thank you for your forgiveness. The judge begins to smile, and he looks at you, declares you innocent. You no longer have a, a fine to pay someone else. You no longer have a ticket to pay for because someone else has paid the price for you. And with tears in your eyes, you look up to the judge and you say, Your Honor, who did this so I can go and thank them? The judge looks at you and he says, Jesus. Jesus is the one who paid the price for you. Church, this is exactly what Jesus has done for us, for those who believe in Him. We have broken a law. We have made a mistake. We have been declared guilty and given a ticket. Except this ticket wasn't a price that could be paid, that we could pay. This ticket was death. Death and hell. But then someone else paid the price for us. Someone else paid the death price that we could not pay. Someone else paid our fine. And this someone else is Jesus. Jesus is the one who paid the ransom. And this ransom isn't a $50,000 check that He has paid for us. It is a blank check. Because this blank check has covered every mistake, every sin, every failure, everything that's ever been done wrong past and future in your life. Jesus has paid it. And all you have to do, all we have to do is receive that free gift. Receive the gift by believing in the works of Jesus, believing in the gospel, believing in what Jesus did for us in order to pay the price for us. And the very moment that we receive this free gift, God, the judge, the great judge, looked upon us and declared us innocent. Amen? Declared us justified. Declared us righteous. Because through Jesus and what He did for us, we have been made right with the Lord. In our sermon today, we're going to be looking at the crucifixion of Jesus and how through His death, through the death of Jesus, He paid the price for us. He was the ransom for our sins. In the past couple of weeks, we have seen how Jesus came down to earth, how Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit and would then give birth to Jesus. We've seen how Jesus would become flesh and how He would dwell here on earth, living a perfect life, a sinless life for 33 years before He would go and die on the cross. And today we will explore the death of Jesus. We will see how Jesus' death on the cross serves in an important role in our salvation. Because without the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, the burial and the resurrection, we would not be saved. 
our ransom would not be paid. So in our sermon today, from Mark chapter 15, verses 21 through 39, we see two ways Jesus paid the price for us. The ways that Jesus paid the price for those who believe through His death on the cross. Now before we read the passage here, let's catch up on the story. Last week, we saw that Jesus was born, right? And then around the age of 30, Jesus begins His ministry. He called His disciples, and He discipled them, and He trained them. And then also, during this time, He also he healed people, He performed miracles, and He displayed power over creation. But not only that, Jesus was also tempted, just as we are, and yet He never once sinned. He remained perfect. And after three years of His ministry, the Jews had finally had enough. The Pharisees had had enough of Jesus, and they wanted Him dead. So Judas, one of His disciples, betrayed Him. One of his disciples, Judas, betrayed him. And they would as soon arrest Jesus and he would go before Pilate. There were several other things that happened in there, but he eventually gets to Pilate. And Pilate would ask Jesus some questions. And Pilate, Pilate found no wrong in Jesus. He deemed Jesus not guilty. And that's important for us to know because if Jesus had made a mistake, then Pilate had every reason to say, yeah, this man has made a mistake. But Pilate, a worldly man, considered Jesus perfect. He found no wrong in Jesus. However, the Jews, Jesus' own people, found him guilty. And they wanted him crucified to the point that they were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate decided to give them the option, the robber or Jesus. They selected to have the robber freed and Jesus be crucified. Pilate would then hand Jesus over to be crucified. And this is where we pick up in our story in Mark chapter 15, verse 21. Pam, I'm going to trust you to flip through these as I read here. So in Mark chapter 15, verse 24, we have the beginning of the crucifixion and it says this, And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross, to carry Jesus' cross, that is. And they brought him to the place called Gagatha, which means place of the school. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide that each should take, or what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, waging their heads and saying, Aha! You would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross, that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Verse 33 and when the sixth hour had come, 
There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Aloy, Aloy, Lama Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breath his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Doesn't this story just get at your emotions? Doesn't it just touch your heart just a little bit? Knowing the pain, the agony, the punishment that our Savior went through. The first way that we see Jesus paid the sacrifice or paid the price for us that we owed is Jesus sacrificially died. Jesus sacrificially died. And this is super important for us to remember and to recognize and understand. So often I think we can get carried away by just stating that Jesus died for us, right? Jesus, yeah, He died for me. And we forget that it was a sacrificial death. Because Jesus certainly could have gotten off that cross, right? He certainly could have came down from the cross and saved Himself. We see that the people passing by and the chief priests and the scribes, were, they were all mocking Him. Saying, Jesus, save Yourself. And come down from the cross. He saved others. He cannot save Himself. Let the Christ, the King of the Israel, come down so we may all see and believe. And while these people and the chief priests were all mocking Jesus, they failed. They ultimately failed to see the one thing that mattered. They failed to see that Jesus was sacrificing Himself. Last week, we saw the two natures of Jesus. We saw how Jesus was divine and how Jesus was flesh, how He was the, the God-man, how He was truly God and truly man. We saw that Jesus was in the beginning and that He was God and is God. Here's the reality. If Jesus is God, He could have certainly come down from the cross. He could have certainly took Him stuff off the cross. But that would have nullified everything. The point was that Jesus had to be a sacrifice. He had to give Himself up as a sacrificial offering. And the Jews failed to see that as Jesus died on the cross. You see, in the Old Testament, God required a sacrifice to be made for the sins of the people. If you sinned, if you had made a mistake, you were required to bring a sacrifice to the priest to be sacrificed in your place for your sins, for your mistakes. It was a payment for your sins. It was the only way that one could be made right with God in the Old Testament. 
And this sacrifice had to be a perfect sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice. It had to be a, a spotless lamb. One without blemish. It had to be the best animal in your herd. And through faith in the sacrifice offered, they would be made right. And God in His plan of redemption, desiring to make a way for all people to have the opportunity for salvation, sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And Jesus was the best thing God had to be sacrificed. We need it because we needed that because Jesus was God and He was also perfect. He was the Son of God. Therefore, Jesus sacrificially stayed on the cross. He sacrificially stayed on the cross for you, for me, as a substitute, even though He had the power to come down. Jesus' death was a sacrifice. The second way that we see Jesus paid the price for us that we owed is Jesus bore our sins. So Jesus sacrificially died on the cross for us and through His sacrificial death on the cross, He then in return bore our sins. He took upon Himself the sins of all who would believe in Him. If you look at Mark 15, verse 34, Jesus says this, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This can sometimes not make sense, right? Jesus, the Son of God, is, is sacrificially dying on the cross, and now God is forsaking Him? Why is this so? Why is this happening? We believe in a perfect and holy God, right? One that is with no mistake, one that cannot look upon sin. This is why the people in the Old Testament had to have a sacrifice. And it's ultimately why Jesus had to be the sacrifice we needed. So just as the Lamb of Excuse me, just that the lamb in the Old Testament or the sacrifice in the Old Testament would have taken on the sins of the person that were giving that sacrifice. When Jesus sacrificed himself, he took on the sins of all who would believe in him. He bore the sins of all who would believe in him. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he himself, Jesus, Jesus Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that is, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. Jesus bore our sins in His body so that we could live in righteousness. And because He took on those sins, God could no longer look upon Jesus. Because God is holy and perfect and He cannot look upon sin. But because of Jesus' sacrifice and he, because He bore our sins, God could no longer look 
at Jesus. And he forsook him. And because Jesus had taken on the sins of those who believe, it also meant that he would also be bearing the wrath of God for those same ones. Now God's wrath, in case you don't know, is essentially it is his holy action of judgment bestowed upon persons who don't believe. It is his holy action of judgment against persons who don't believe. God's wrath ultimately is what sends those who don't believe to hell. But for those who do believe, God's wrath has been taken off of them and put on Jesus. And because Jesus is the God-man, He is able to endure the wrath because in three days, what happens? In three days, Jesus is resurrected. And what does He do? He overcomes death and He overcomes sin. Jesus can endure the wrath of God. The crucifixion of Jesus, His death on the cross is the ransom that had to be paid so people could have salvation. It was the only way. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the only way. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I got that all mixed up. But Jesus, let me rephrase. I just, it just clicked in my head. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He's the only way. And it's only through His excuse me, His death on the cross that that can happen. Just as the ticket price of $50,000 was paid by someone else, the sin of speeding through a slow zone was then put on the one paying the price. And just as the wrath of the judge was upon the one speeding through, when the ransom was paid, that wrath was removed. This is what Christ's sacrificial death on the cross has done for us, has done for you. His death on the cross paid the price that you owed. You owed your life. I owed my life. And because of sin, we were condemned to death. Because of the sin that we had, the wrath of God was upon us. But because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of His sacrificial death, because He paid the price that we owed in dying in our place, taking our sin and taking, He took upon the wrath of God. Upon Himself. And He has given us life. Eternal life. But this life is ultimately only given to those who believe, right? It's only given to those who believe, who have Jesus as Lord of their life. Therefore, I just want to say this. If you are here today and you do not believe in Jesus and Savior, or excuse me, Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, today is the day for you to begin believing in Jesus. Today is the day for you to begin following Jesus. Today is the day for you to believe Jesus. Friend, I want you to know that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that you can have life, eternal life. He wants you to believe. He wants to give you life. And all you have to do is just believe and receive this gift of salvation. This past week, we just celebrated Christmas, right? And on Christmas Day, I was given several gifts. Free gifts. 
Which is great, right? It's great to have free gifts, ain't it? That you ain't got to pay for. Gifts that I probably wouldn't have got myself if I didn't have them given to me. And I could have rejected every one of those gifts, right? I could have said no and just walked away. I don't want them. But instead, I received those gifts. The gift was handed to me and all I had to do was receive it. Romans 3.23 says, The wages of sin is death. And this is true. Death is the punishment for sin. Because of our sin, we will one day die physical death on this earth. And if we don't believe, we will also die spiritual death because we will end up in hell. But Romans 3.23 continues and it says this, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Friend, God Himself is holding in front of you right now the gift of life. Eternal life. And all you have to do is receive it. All you must do is receive it by saying, Yes! Yes, I believe in the works of Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe that He was born of a virgin. That He lived a sinless life. That He was perfect. That He died a sacrificial death on the cross. That He was buried in a tomb and that He rose again on the third day, overcoming sin and death. I believe. And because I believe, I will follow Him. And I will make Him Lord of my life. And I will live for Him. God is extending the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation to you right now. And if you have never received that gift, Extend your hand out and just take that gift now. And if that is you in this moment, when we play the invitational song here in a few moments, when we come down, I want you to come down and let's talk about this journey to heaven. Let's talk about this journey because once you receive that gift, it is just the beginning as there is so much more to learn about God's Word. Church, in our sermon today, we have seen two ways that Jesus paid the price for us through His death on the cross. Through His death on the cross, Jesus sacrificially died. He had the power, He had the means, and He totally could have come down from the cross. But because His death had to be sacrificial, He stayed on the cross. Amen? He stayed because He knew that through His death, life could be extended to all people who would believe in Him. We see secondly, that through His death, that through the death of Jesus, Jesus would also take upon Himself the sins of all who believe in Him. The sins of every person that would ever believe in Him, past and future. All of our sins. Every single sin. And because our sins have been placed on Jesus, it also means that the, the wrath that God had on us was then placed on Jesus because He bore our sins. And He did all this so that we can have eternal life in heaven. But let's not forget the rest of the story, right? Jesus would soon be buried in a tomb by being placed in a tomb. And then a stone, a very large stone would be rolled over in front of that tomb. And the guards would come and they would seal it. 
And then they would stay and guard the tomb to make sure that nobody came to steal Jesus' body. But on the third day, right? But on the third day, the grave could no longer hold Jesus. And He would be resurrected. He would be raised from the dead. The stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. Jesus has risen. Jesus was alive. Jesus had overcome sin and death in that moment. And through His resurrection, He had fully accomplished everything the Father had sent Him here to do. Amen. The death of Christ, the burial, the resurrection are all three incredibly important parts of the salvation plan of God. Without one element of the Gospel, we don't get salvation. So let's not forget any part of it. So now the question becomes, how do we live this out? How do we live this out? The first way we live this out is we remember what Jesus did for us. We remember what Jesus did for us. We remember the gospel. It can be so easy for us to forget it, right? It can be so easy for us to, to not remember it. We get caught up and everything that is happening, and we just forget. We work a job, we're a parent, we're grandparents, we have friends we want to hang out with, we have hobbies we want to hobby. I guess I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but we have hobbies we want to do, and go play and do whatever else we want to. We have food to cook, and kids to take care of, and everything else that happens in life. And sometimes we just forget, don't we? It's not really that we don't forget. It's just that we don't remember it. It happens to the best of us. Which is why we must daily remind ourselves of the gospel. We must daily remind ourselves of what Christ did for us. Because we owe the price and He paid it for us. And we should remember that. The second way we can live this out is ultimately by telling others what Christ can do for them. Telling others what Christ can do for them. Christ came down and He died for all. Or so that all, everyone may have the opportunity to believe. The opportunity to have salvation. And it is a responsibility of us who believe to tell them about Jesus. It is our responsibility. After the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus would soon ascend to heaven, right? But before He would ascend to heaven, He goes on and He gives the disciples the Great Commission. We all know this. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Jesus came to the disciples and He said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, as believers, this is not optional. This is a command that we are given. This is a command we are to follow. And we as believers must go, therefore, and make disciples. After all, why would we not want to? 
Why would we not want to share the good news of what Christ can do for them through His sacrificial death and through Him taking on the sins of those who believe? Why would we not want to share that with someone? The very things of what Christ has done for us should ultimately compel us to want to tell others about Jesus. So try to find someone that you know and share the gospel with them. Tell them what Jesus did for you so they too may have eternal life in heaven. Church, let's be a church that lives for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross, Lord. But more so than just die on the cross, we thank You so much that Jesus sacrificially gave Himself up on the cross. That He sacrificially died on the cross. And through His death on the cross, Lord, He took upon Himself the sins of all who believe in Him. He bore the sins. He bore my sins. He bore your sins. Lord, help us to remember it. Help us to remember what Christ has did for us. How Christ paid the price for us. How He was our ransom. How He paid the price or the ticket that we owed, Lord. Help us to remember that the wrath that was once upon us is no longer upon us, but has now been placed on Jesus. Help us to remember those things. And Lord, help us to share the gospel. Help us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, Lord. Help us to go therefore and tell someone about Jesus. Tell someone about what He has done for us. Because He is worthy. Because You are worthy, Lord. And Your salvation is good. Lord, we thank You this morning for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.